You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hey, Mickey. Oh, oh hey, Bob. Uh, Mickey, you're, Mickey. You're, Did I wake you up? This is a bad time, Bob. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm in a strange situation here in bed. Oh, you're in bed. Is there anybody with you? Uh, I'm you afraid there it? is, oh, Bob. No, I, this not. is a bad time for me to confess this, but... Uh, but you're alone in bed? I'm not alone in bed, Bob. I have a companion. It's the parrot. We, you know, we, are you pleasuring your parrot, Mickey? Are you about to we, pleasure we've your had parrot? A long, we have had a long working relationship, Bob, but it's recently transformed into something more. And I, I should have notified human resources. But uh, Did it change? Did the relationship it, change during COVID? It changed during COVID, yes. Uh, we became much closer and and uh you know i i'm so, i'm so sorry i'll i'll do anything you want to save my job i'll move I'm the podcast to late. the left i'm afraid it's too late you're fired i'll uh, i'll, for, I'll for, let for, jennifer rubin be my co-host i mean really i'm desperate here uh i would say that yeah it sounds like it but the uh so for anyone not assiduously following the most important news on the planet this is all a reference to jeff zucker Right. Who formerly um, ran C uh, CNN until it was disclosed that he has a subordinate with whom he had been having a relationship. Now, originally, Mickey, he said in his statement admitting to it after he was fired, he said, our relationship changed during COVID and I should have uh, acknowledged it at the time in keeping with company policy. Then there was this piece in Rolling Stone saying, actually, he was misleading us by, oh, about a quarter of a century. And they had, they had actually, uh, the relationship had begun when, when this woman was not much more, uh, if at all, than an intern. And so I think what he meant when he said our relationship changed during COVID is they started having sex on Zoom, right? <laughs> Instead of in person. Is that what he meant? Uh -huh. I, we think the whole thing was a, a sham because this is a well-known relationship and it was in Katie Couric's autobiography. And there's obviously some reason why they decided to can him now. Uh, and there are many possible reasons. Keep in mind, this guy is one of the, uh, one of the least successful uh, executives in media history. I should... Wait, he brought us The Apprentice and... Fear factor, which means he, he 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 made probably without him, Donald Trump would not be president. Joe Rogan would not be Joe Rogan. OK, do not belittle this man. He has transformed America for better or worse. Um, OK, but anyway, there 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 it's very complicated. I, I want to quote from what Richard Rushfield said about him because it was a, a very pithy quote. Uh, and uh, I'm calling it up right now. But the, the guy had. Driven his network into the ground, they'd lost three quarters of their reader of their listeners. Uh, he'd become a laughing stock. But here's what Richard Rushfield said in his newsletter, The Ankler. Uh, Should I uh, entertain the folks while you? While I fight it, uh, no. His career was the equivalent four. of a patient stricken with cancer, a heart attack, and Ebola who had fallen out of an airplane and then showed up for work the next morning. Um, he had so many strikes against him. There were so many people out to get him. 
One of them was the head of CNN. Then CNN's about to be sold to a new company, Discovery, uh, and the, the, the major shareholder of Discovery was quoted as saying sort of, well, we have to, res we're, we have to enforce these, these uh, human resources rules or you have to notify if you're having sex very, very strictly. So they just didn't like it, you know? What can I say? Um, a couple of things. Discovery is actually run by a close friend and ally of his. I right. thought there was... So I, I had thought that maybe after they, they spin off uh, Warner Media, which includes CNN, to Discovery, the Discovery guy would save his bacon until this Rolling Stone piece came out. Because at first it looked like Oh, man, they're getting pretty picky here, right? They're, neither of them is married. It's a consensual relationship. It's two years old. She's not complaining. I had thought that as long as it stayed like that, his friend of Discovery could reinstate him. But then if this Rolling Stone piece is accurate, and I take it it is, that, that, that this goes back to when she was very junior, and he has since promoted her again and again and brought brought him her with him everywhere he goes then it's going to be harder for the discovery guy to bail his friend also out, right? if the major shareholder is is out out to get him it'll be harder uh but yes they could bring him back as an advisor that's an obvious thing they could do but anyway but the point is first the woman's name is golas now give me a break i mean wait i don't go and it, go and lust mean? no more she has uh, it's lust. not G-O-L-U-S-T, is it? It's G-O-L-L-U-S-T. Close enough. Is it? That's good. I'm See, I was thinking Gaullist. So it, I totally it reminds me that. of my, um, the only people who support me among my followers all have not safe for work names. Like my most loyal follower is named Humpy Bogart. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, you know, there's you know, huge, you know how to pick huge jazz and all those people. So, Go, Go Lust is another name like that. But um, the, the basic point is he made CNN a laughingstock. It was the supposed to be the credible voice of truth, and he's gradually sort of made it more and more into MSNBC, and it looks increasingly ridic ridiculous because you know MSNBC doesn't pretend it's not MSNBC, but CNN did pretend it wasn't MSNBC. Now apparently they've dropped the pretense, and they said, yes, we're going to be MSNBC. So... Uh, I will say, apparently, everyone, all the on-air personalities rallied around him, right? They all, well, they were all hired by him, Bob. If you, and mentored. Uh, and mentored. Like you hired me. If you get, if you get caught in bed with and a parrot. And mentored you. If and you get caught in bed you. with a parrot, I'll rally to your defense, too, for a while until it becomes clear you're never coming back. Yeah. And then I'll abandon you. Uh, um, like Ron DeSantis is abandoning Trump, his former mentor. Anyway, so this is this is sad. I mean, you know, when I was younger and more naive, I would have hoped that CNN would get better uh, after he left. But I, I, I've I now realize these things it might are get structural. better. An intelligent left wing station is better than a smarmy left wing station that just pretends that it's objective. No, but on foreign policy, there's just no hope. It's just built into the system. It's just you're in America. You're going to have you're going to just do stupid shit all over the world and everyone's going to support it. Uh, um, in fact, they had the opening ceremonies for Cold War Two today in Beijing. You saw that, uh, uh, you know, you say NB NBC, NBC was too tough on uh, on China. 
No, not NBC. I mean, we our blob has gotten us into World War II. The the you know the the American establishment, the geniuses that run places like CNN, are the reason we're here. The whole the whole group, the think tankers and the media and the pundits and everything. You mean you mean they, they, they so? This is here. these are the people who were objecting to the games being in China. No, it isn't about that. No, I'm not. No, it just so happens that Beijing today was a kind of. It, it, the Cold War almost became the new Cold War almost became official today. Okay, Putin and Xi Jinping got together and issued a statement uh, embracing each other's grievances against the U.S. It looks like Xi Jinping will support Putin on Ukraine. Putin will support Xi Jinping on Hong Kong on Taiwan. It, it just it was it was a significant moment, and and we can talk about the implications of it. But 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 I'm I'm not saying that NBC has anything particular to do with that. They're just covering the Olympics. I'm saying the reason we are here and the reason there may well be a war in Ukraine is because our our foreign policy establishment is is full of clowns, and, and it includes well, the people on CNN and MSNBC. Who never raise a you know a, a, a note of protest? Why is and uh, well, you know why is it possible that this is a face saving way for Putin to snatch a victory out of not invading Ukraine? Ukraine now has drones. They got drones from Turkey. These are the drones that won the war in uh, Armenia, the Azerbaijan Armenia war. These drones were highly effective in battle and. Uh, they they might actually help deter Putin. All they also they might enrage him and threaten him. But uh, you know this could go both ways. And we don't you know what. Well, and why is this such a terrible thing if we have a but new Cold War realignment? Like you mean instead of solve actual problems like uh, bioweapons, like like why should we try to solve the the problem of, of possible bioweapons proliferation or do a better job in the next pandemic? Well, it'd be, it'd be better if Xi was a different sort of person and China was a different sort of country and it'd be easier to do that, but it's not. He is not the problem. He is not the problem. He's willing to do business with us uh, and we just don't know how to arrange it so that that can happen. Well, this is, if this is a longer a, if you're argument. A, We've kind of largely had if you're, it. But yes, if you're, a, if you're a populist, you're not sure you want to do business with him, right? Well, if you're, you, mean, you mean you want if you think protectionism. The, if you think the, yes. If you think the China trade is... Well, I'm not even talking about economic business right now. I'm, I'm talking oh, okay. about solving well, um, other problems. But on the, on the face-saving thing, I mean, that's a good example. I, I think Putin, it wouldn't take that much to let him save face and not invade. But so far, I don't see any signs that Biden is preparing to extend what it would take to him. And I don't see anybody in the media clamoring for it. You know, with I mean, there are the usual voices of sanity. There is the Quincy Institute and there are a few journalists and commentators. But by and large, nobody is, is, is asking the big question. Well, how can we do this in a way that is politically feasible for Biden but is also politically feasible for Putin. I don't How see, can we not have a war? I, I don't understand quite by, why it's so hard for Biden to make a concession about NATO. Uh, does the public care about NATO? No. It's not like he's ceding the Sudetenland. He's saying, you know, we, we, we you know, yes, we're, we, NATO has a right to reject members, which it does. 
So, uh, right. so he's just saying that, no, that this that, might that's apply. My point. This might apply in Ukraine, but I don't see where that gets him in hot water. It's not hard to design. No, exactly. That that's my point. The political pressure isn't coming from the people. It's coming from the blob. It's coming from the elites. He can't stand the thought of like a week of CNN and MSNBC whining about it. You know, I don't he, think he, they'd he even said, whine it. They'd whine about it once, and the ratings would go through the through the floor. And then they'd stop whining about it. They're 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 dedicated to ratings on a fifteen minute interval. So if the ratings go down for one segment, that's it for Ukraine. It's off the air. Uh, the, <laughs> the uh, I I I'll, it, um, you anyway. know, it's worth dwelling on the on the absurdity of it. Okay, no one before this crisis started in the U.S. or Europe had any plan of extending a membership offer to Ukraine within 10 or 20 years, okay? Right. Nobody, nobody. And yet, it would now, it sounds like it would be a major ask to get Biden to say publicly, because this could be the beginning of a kind of face-saving thing for Putin, like, well, of course, you know, we know that there, that, that there, there's no, we have no intention of extending membership uh, for 15 years, uh, and and I'm sure my our, your, my European allies will will join me in affirming that. And in the meanwhile, we're happy to continue the conversation with Russia to see if we can get to a point where everybody, including Ukraine, feels sufficiently secure that there's no need for it them sounds, to block it. It sounds like we're negotiating. Even say something like that. Sounds like we're also negotiating about the Tomahawk missiles. Uh, well, yeah, and, the more and, the better. I mean, well, that, that well, right. could be part of it. Definitely too. the more the better. And, uh, you know, and, and it's also, it seems to me there must be some sort of back room if we do this, if we do that. Uh, will you agree to it? Uh, back room, back channel talks. And also, you know, he, Putin has issued uh, joint declarations with China before. I don't think this is such an epic one. It's bigger than the others, but it, it is not like the first time. China and Russia have cozied up to each other. And uh, no, and, but, he, and if he invades and takes the Donbass, that's not the end of the world either. The whole thing is not as big as everybody's making it out to be. Well, actually, the implications of that could be bad. I, I mean, in various ways. First of all, then we have to do all these sanctions. It reinforces the Cold War and so on. Not to mention the, the whatever kind of hell could break loose next yeah. in the vicinity I, of Ukraine. But I do think uh, go ahead. I didn't understand your plan for a referendum in the Russian-speaking areas because isn't that a violation of national sovereignty? So it would come under your. How does that promote international law? It's a violation of international law. Well, l let me first say one thing. Uh, what I was about to say quickly, which is, I do think uh, what happened today at the Olympic Olympics makes it really clear that Putin does have China support on Ukraine. Maybe there wasn't much doubt about that. But having that support, knowing that you can have like a special economic relationship with China, uh, makes you a little less worried about sanctions from Europe and, and the U.S. As you may know, China is better at actually making shit than any other country, right? I mean, and they have a lot of natural resources and they have a, they have a big hunger for energy. And so, I mean... It, 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 I think the, the, the tighter he is with China, the less leverage we have on the Ukraine thing. And I think, meanwhile, this has gotten amped up so much that it is hard for him to not invade if we don't at least go through the motions of, of helping him save face. 
But um, but on that point, I, you're talking about an illusion I made we, somewhere. Maybe you you the, said in your most recent piece, uh, NATO, the, the the NATO, we needed another concession aside from the NATO concession. You know that that's not enough, and 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 you endorsed uh, this plan to have referenda in various areas, some of which might choose to go with Russia, uh, and that this would be the something more. But it was in a piece that said it sort of said we need to uphold the rule of law, however perverse, and national sovereignty being the the, the linchpin of the rule of law. And having a referendum that lets part of your nation break away into another nation is not upholding sovereignty. So it seemed there was a contradiction there. That's all. I, I'm fine with okay, the well, referendum. I, I, I like referendum. Yeah, I'm, I wasn't. I, I'm not a big international law, you know, uh, hard ass like you are. Yeah. First of all, I wasn't. Uh, I mean, I, I was noting that some people have suggested uh, doing that. I mean, I mean, I was making the general point, first of all, again, we need to enlarge the conversation with Russia so that both sides can come away with a couple of things they can point to and say they got. And that helps them save face. You know, mi missile locations in Europe, troop locations and whatever. But the, the, the biggest version of the conversation that I think is an interesting proposal was made by somebody else. The idea was uh, we've got these festering issues that are not quite resolved of, uh, you know, Crimea, Russia is annexed. That's not recognized by people. There's uh, two separate little enclaves of Georgia. Uh, there is the Donbass. There is Kosovo on our side of the ledger where, you know, we did something that Russia says is exactly what we accused it of doing in Crimea, which is through the use of force changing international borders. So the plan was let everyone in all those places do referenda to decide, do the Crimeans want to be part of Ukraine or not, and, and so on. In some cases, it's not totally clear what the outcome would be. It's clear in Crimea. Um, they would choose to be part saying, of Russia, right? Yeah. And you, you might also, by the way, have some kind of uh, try to allow for enclaves within enclaves like if there if there are enclaves that can be attached to Ukraine and they want to be attached to Ukraine within Crimea, minority like the Tatars there are not wild about, uh, uh, you know, about being part of uh, being part of Russia. But um, anyway, the, you raise the question, doesn't this violate international law because the borders were changed by force? Well, not necessarily. If, if the security, if the U.N. Security Council authorizes it and says this is legit. You know, the Security Council is to international law kind of what the Supreme Court is to national law. National law is whatever the Supreme Court says it is ultimately, in a certain sense. And and the UN Security Council, you know, if Russia was on board and U.S. was on board, China would be on board, France and England, and that's it. Those are the only five members who have veto power on the Security Council. So you could make this consistent with international law. Now, it's not, I also said in that piece, there's no chance that, you know, Tony Blink and Jake Sullivan uh, and, and, and Biden are visionary enough to even take this seriously. But it's an interesting idea. And, and I do think, I mean, I had coupled it with another proposal, which is, uh, um, you know, at least Russia and the U.S. at least somewhat acknowledge they have both violated international law. They're going to try to do better and try to usher in an age of actual respect for international law. Anyway, that's in the non-zero newsletter. And I... 
Uh, anyway, I think you're I think you're overstating the power of the blob, but uh, I'm glad you're well, what more else paranoid. Does Biden fear? What, but if you're right and there's no grassroots opposition to saying Ukraine isn't entering NATO, where is the political resistance coming from in America? The elites. Who are the elites in foreign policy? Well, the there's, a, there's a mystery in the Biden White House of where the resistance to obvious initiatives is coming from. In all <laughs> cases, um, uh, but uh, it could just Ron be. Klain. It could be a that they'll cut some deal, and there won't be a war, or b maybe Biden is stupid, and he's not won't try to cut a deal, and there'll be a war. I mean, those those are two possible alternatives. That don't or involve he's the, not don't involve the vast power of the blob, or he's not so on top of his game as to really be completely in charge. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think he's you know. I I need I to get to Washington. In the hands so I, of Tony Blinken, but sorry, what? I was just saying I don't think he's putty in the hands of Tony Blinken, but I don't. As you know, I don't think he's on, as on top of things yeah. as he was. I need to get to Washington so I can hear some of these rampant rumors about his dementia. Um, has anybody talked about the possibility of a stroke? Now that Senate, wait a second, Senate, if you know they're rampant, you must have already heard. No, there are all these stories on Real Clear Politics about how the rampant rumor in Washington. You know, and sometimes there are rampant rumors in Washington that you don't hear outside of Washington because they're really only told at cocktail parties, that mm. does happen. So maybe it's happening, maybe it's not. That's what I want to find out. But there are no cocktail parties during the pandemic, right? I mean, oh. rumors spread by by Zoom and DM, right? <laughs> I think that's right. Although I think they're, they're, the pe people probably are getting together more and more. But um, uh, yeah, there's, there's still you, rumors. By the way. There's still rumors. Yeah. Uh, uh, so... Um, uh, did you see that before we leave China? Did you see that Soros gave a speech where he thought the Olympics would be the end of Xi? Because any now he was unfortunately not very convincing, but the idea that the, the Xi has rivals in the party. This is a delicate moment when they're about to anoint him as this semi deity, uh, and the rivals would be the Deng Xiaoping, more liberalization, more private enterprise people, uh, and the economy is. I don't know if the economy is doing badly or not, but there's a huge housing crisis and a potential banking collapse, and the population is falling, which can't be the, you know, if you're if you're a China greatness taking over the world person, probably not what you like. It's it, yeah, it's sort of end, and the COVID strategy is going to be a disaster because there's no way you can keep up zero COVID. With the well, Omicron it, it, it virus, may, it may rear its head even during the Olympics. There yeah. are several hundred people within the the Olympic yeah. cocoon who have tested yeah. positive. But um, if, if the idea is that the, the, the so, China China is now a fertile field of of un of un you know uninfected people, they have no not you know, they have zero natural immunity, yeah. and a new virus could just spread like wildfire. That's the I argument. predicted this on our New Year's Eve prediction. Uh, okay. Uh, as you may anyway. Recall. It, it didn't but, but convince me. Soros, it what, didn't what, convince what is, me, but it, it seemed important to bear in mind because Soros isn't an idiot. Isn't an idiot. Yeah, he hates G. He hates G as a as a as a you know a, a threat to open whatever his open society bullshit is. Open society. Yeah. yeah. So he had, that's why he well, gave this not... unconvincing speech. But there was it wasn't there wasn't nothing to it. 
But what is the scenario exactly, Soros' scenario? How does the Olympics bring Xi down? I don't get it. Well, I guess I guess it's a failure. It's a national flop. Nobody watches I think it. He's nobody... got a, my my reading is he's got a pretty secure grip on power, but yeah. uh, but there are there it would have the, to be quite a flop. You hear? I mean, there are these internal machinations, and there there are various formal conferences. He has to elections. He has to win within the the party, and uh, you know, so it's you you know you hear you hear on on occasion that it's not quite as secure as you would think it would be anyway okay um so so hey we got another uh we got another isis guy you excited uh i'm just you know the pentagon has zero credibility at this point their first story you don't is think almost, they even got him all, no they got him but were the civilian casualties all the result of Oh, uh, him blowing himself up selfishly, or did we in fact just get him and cause a lot of civilian casualties, uh, which might be worth it, might not be, but but would be you know would be a different story than it's all on his head, uh, and you know after after the Afghanistan where we said we had killed these terrorists and they turned out to be civilians, and Iraq where there was that woman hero, and then the story turned out to be. He was a hero, but she was it was concocted by the Pentagon. I just don't believe anything they say. The first story, yeah. it, you know, doesn't survive contact with reporting, basically. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it seems to me it can't be. It, it, you know, if they they did bother to send these guys on the ground and clear out adjacent houses and stuff, so it can't be that that explosion on the third floor was some kind of like drone strike, right? I mean, we if we wanted to do it that way, we wouldn't have had to bring a bunch of guys in on the ground. But uh, but on the other hand, it does seem like a lot more people were killed than would have been on that third floor, including kids. So I, I don't, I, I don't know. The, um, um, and the theory is the first floor was evacuated? I don't know. Anyway. Well, what, what, yeah. Well, once in, uh, supposedly, it's not even clear people on the first floor knew who this guy was. That's yeah. one thing I read. I don't know. But they also cleared out the next door neighbor's house. And uh, I, I don't know if they succeeded in evacuating all, uh, the first floor of the, of the building itself. I don't know. It wasn't a very big place. I mean, the, that, 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 that job, that head ISIS guy job has kind of gone downhill since the last guy we killed. He had a, he had a big spread. The, uh, the, uh, like, his resume didn't, it didn't, it, you know, this, this, this this ISIS leader who uh, checked all the boxes for ISIS and didn't have much power uh, doesn't sound like such a big kill for us. But uh, well, this it, is I, what I I I don't, I I don't think it presages a renewal of the forever war. But you tell me. No, I just don't know that it does any good. And it uh, I I mean, there's a whole literature on de so called decapitation of terrorist groups, and it is far from clear that on average. It helps you. I mean, my view of these things has always been, A, you look at a corporation that loses some CEO through like heart attack or some mishap or, you know, just random event. And about half the time, the company turns out to be better off, right? Because half the time, the head guy just is not that great. And uh, and there's also the problem sometimes of, uh, of the group kind of splintering in a way that makes it more problematic. You also see this with drug gangs. They take the head guys off the street and suddenly the turf wars break well, out again. Um, it's weird because if you look at assassinations over the years, they've been incredibly consequential. The Kennedy assassination, 
the assassination of Rabin was. Inc- but those are heads of state. Well, that's is it, that's the, that's why it's so different than assassinating Bin Laden. Well, I'm just I, saying I mean, the literature I'm talking about is is about terrorist groups, and it fails. Last time I checked, they. I mean, some people argued it was actually. Uh, actively bad for you to kill the head of the average terrorist group in terms of the consequences. It's far from clear that it's good. I mean, let me read you like, so with this in mind, I read, first I read the New York Times thing on this right when it broke. And here's what it says. First of all, it says, little is known about Mr. Al-Qurashi who succeeded Mr. Al-Baghdadi or, or, well, little is known about him or ISIS's top command structure. That's what it says. And then it next sentence is, but analysts said the death of the Islamic State leader was a significant blow to the terrorist group. Wait a second. If little was known about him or the top command structure, how could they be confident that it was a significant blow? Then the next day, I read this in the Washington Post uh, about him. Captured Islamic State fighters described him, that is the guy we killed, as a, quote, ghost, a mysterious and nearly invisible leader with little practical sway over his weakened terrorist organization. Rivals questioned his credentials and reviled him as a turncoat who ratted out his comrades during a stint in a U.S. military prison. It sounds like we should have left him in charge. It's it's perfect. (laughs) It's like, I mean, seriously, this is what I mean. You you know, the head guy may be bad news for the organization, and it sounds like he was. We should have, like, sent him money. (laughs) The, um... The, do you know how this prison standoff actually ended? That was that was all very mysterious too. There was this massive ISIS raid, unexpected, on this prison. Uh, there's a long story. Well, the on, I, it was a breakout, right? I mean, the ISIS prisoners broke out. Did they break out? Because there, there, the, there was an NPR story that had in, incredible numbers of bodies. A lot of people killed bulldozers, bulldozers Bull, yep. dumping bodies into trucks. And I, yeah. I didn't hear that there was a huge breakout. They sort of assume that there was a breakout, but is that being covered up? And also, how did it end? They had taken hostages of the children, supposedly, that were there. These are the children of ISIS fighters who moved to the caliphate. Uh, and and what happened to the hostages? Were they all killed? Did they just decide, you know, yes, we're going to, uh, you know, yes, I'm not- we're going we're gonna to end this right now and... and we, did they just kill them all, or did they actually surrender? I mean, I'm not clear on it. They were going house to house looking for escapees, so they were at least under the impression that some prisoners had actually escaped. The The children thing uh, is complicated. I mean, first of all, in addition to these, like, thousands of prisoners in this thing that was never designed to be a prison in the first place and is actually in the middle of a city, which is not the best place to, you know, have your thousands of terrorists imprisoned. Um, in addition to them, I guess there's, like, kind of refugee camps or something that have tens of thousands of family members uh, and and uh, of ISIS fighters. And I guess the common thread is none of their countries want to take them back. So th- these, these, these large numbers of prisoners, they can't find anything to do with them. And I think one reason they're in the mood to break out is they see the handwriting on the wall like they're probably never going to leave. I mean, they, you know, they're not going anywhere. And, uh, well, that's it's different. That's the, pretty ugly. There's a difference between the women and children in the refugee camps and these guys who were the male fighters. I uh, guess, but I think there may be in both cases resistance within their countries to taking them yeah. back. No, they're, 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 I guess, yeah, neither group is coming back, going back. That's a good point. 
Not um, readily. They have repatriated. I don't. Some I don't think the small fraction. I don't think the refugee camp people broke out. No, they didn't break out, yeah. but they're in the vicinity. Yeah. Um. So, uh, there, I have a bunch of other topics. Uh, Fine. There's, uh, you know, in between the uh, between Zucker Freude, as my friend Rushfield called it, or Zuckerberg Freude, I. I'm oh, much, oh, yeah. I'm much happier at, the, at the yeah. setback of Mark Zuckerberg because he's destroying our country by promoting open borders and he's destroying the entire human experience by promoting the metaverse. And uh, I, 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 was, I had a question for you on the metaverse, which is your book, Non-Zero, sort of postulates a sort of... Uh, arc of history which tends in a good direction uh, and you conceded last week that the metaverse if it actually catches on could move us into a bad direction well shouldn't you have anticipated as the all-knowing all-seeing person shouldn't you have anticipated the arrival of the metaverse in your book <laughs> wait i thought your basic way of trolling me about that book was to point to stuff out in the actual physical world that seems to be going downhill, which is enough for me to contend Any with. Any weapon to and have. now you're saying I got to answer for the fucking metaverse? Yes. I mean... You have to answer for anything. If you write a book about uh, the, the entire jury, history of human evolution, you got to answer for everything, Bob. You're, the jury's it out goes on with the metaverse. The I know. The this is, the, it, it could be a lovely place. <laughs> the first woman that was there was immediately gang raped. Wait, what are you talking about? Is this there, for real? Oh, there was a woman whose whose avatar was gang raped in the metaverse. Are you taking the metaverse to be any uh, virtual reality situation where different people? It was a it was a headline I, I saw on a story, and I don't know which metaverse it was, but uh, I think there's supposed to be only one in the end. And the question is, should Mark Zuckerberg control it? And this last uh, quarterly earnings report suggests that maybe we don't have to worry about that. No, although okay, so Facebook had a horrible quarter uh he a primary reason apparently is that apple changed its uh iphone policy so that you are not by default it is not easy by default for facebook to track your behavior going from app to app and know what you're doing now now apple says right at the beginning do you want to opt in to being tracked from app to app by people who want to track you and I guess most people say no. And so this is because it hurts the amount of information that Facebook has in selling ads. I guess that's it. Uh, this really hurt them. I think what Zuckerberg is emphasizing more is that the reason they lost a lot of money and lost some huge, what, $200 billion of stock market value? Is that possible? But anyway, the, uh, uh, the, the, he is saying part of it was they are sinking so much money into the metaverse. They're hiring up all of these virtual reality people from like like all the people at Microsoft who are working on HoloLens. They just like hired them all and they're putting all this money into metaverse research, supposedly. That's that's a big part of his excuse. So he's kind of trying to put a happy face on it. Like, you know, it's like it's a rebuilding year for Facebook. Right. You know what? I hate Facebook and I hope it goes away. But um, I, I got that impression. Yes. Uh, but why? Why would there only be one metaverse? Why can't it be like the many, many worlds theory? There are many, many metaverses. 
This could be, in fact, be the only case when the many many worlds theory is actually accurate, which is uh, you don't like this metaverse, you just go to the next metaverse. I think I think it may be closer to multiverse theory, which I think is different from many worlds. Anyway, the uh, no, I, I think it's an open question uh, whether there will be competing metaverses or a single. You know, it has to do with like uh, standards and so on. I do still think Zuckerberg is in a better position than anyone metaverse-wise. Uh, although he better hurry, because one thing that happened is Facebook, for the first time, I think, ever, uh, its number of users actually dropped. Uh, and and it's he's still got, you know, it's it's clearly very uncool for anybody under, I don't know, 30 or 40 to be on Facebook. And Instagram, apparently, its coolness has plateaued and maybe heading downward. And now Zuckerberg can't buy any new platforms because of antitrust uh, is, concerns. Is, so is, he's got to hurry with the metaverse. Is China into competing in the metaverse? Well, you know, this is the biggest version of the question of whether it'll be a single metaverse, right? I mean, will it be geographically, like politically segregated? And Trump pushed us in that direction uh, by doing things like uh, basically banning Huawei, um, and uh, and I think China, more and more on its own initiative, is is probably, uh, you know, being uh, open to the possibility of. But I will say, I mean, the if you ask what is hotter than Instagram, what's the next hot thing? Well, TikTok is hotter, and that's and that's uh, right now that has a lot of Americans on board. And right, I was thinking, is trying to beat beat Zuckerberg with TikTok. Think what their their metaverse will probably beat his metaverse too. Uh, of course, Joe Rogan won't be allowed on either metaverse. Um, so that's that's the most important thing. Keeping keeping Joe uh, Rogan off here. I I think he's doing okay. I think they may not be able to get Neil it, Young's music on TikTok, but I think, I mean, Joe Rogan seems to have survived that. So, Although, did you did you see his statement? I no, I saw reports of of it. Why? I thought he would take more shit for. Did you hear the about the Joni Mitchell thing? No. That he said. He said it was funny. He said uh, first. He said, "You know, look, I'm a huge Neil Young fan." He tells a story about he was once a security guard at a Neil Young concert, and he says, "He says, and I and I I just think Joni Mitchell's great. Chucky's in Love is a great song." <laughs> Was that intentional? I, no, it was not. Because that's a Ricky And then he, afterwards, he, he put it on Instagram, and then he added this apologetic text thing next to it, like, oh, God, that's Ricky Lee Jones, duh. Um, I think was Ch not intentional. And, and I thought that was going to be all over social media, just that meme, him saying Chucky's in love is a great song. And I think I've concluded that the average age on, like, social media, with a possible exception of Facebook, is sufficiently young that it doesn't strike people the way it strikes you and me right. to, to hear Joni right. Mitchell, right. you know. But that's, it's actually Chuckies an interesting love. argument. Chucky's in Love is probably the best Joni Mitchell song. And it's not by Joni Mitchell. It's like when I thought I'd heard a, I thought I'd heard a great Melissa Etheridge song and it turned out it was by the Indigo Girls, which means there are well, no, there are no, there's zero that. great Melissa Etheridge songs. 
That's um, interesting you say that because I didn't think it does. It did sound like a Joni Mitchell song, but then my wife said, well, they're both kind of jazzy, but I think in a totally different way. Ricky Lee Jones is jazzy in a pop way. Joni Mitchell, there's a kind of a jazz in it, but it's her own thing. And it yeah, does well, she not can do it all. Like but, um, anyway, it's um, the Joe Rogan thing. First, it's, it's totally wrong to say that he's a right wing figure. I mean, he's, you know, he's a Bernie, Sa- he likes Bernie Sanders. He has a huge left wing following. All my friends who are left on, you know, left health food nuts on the west side of L.A. love him. Uh, he, he's he's almost a, a worship figure because they enjoy his podcast. So it, it, it and, and somebody somebody mentioned Mark Corian mentioned, is he going to run for president now? And it's not as crazy an idea as you would think, uh, because I mean he he has appeal both left and right. It's it's not like somehow the left, you know. I think in in, in they they have to have some. It's always be mobilizing. They, now in in in, the, in our current world, you always have to be, have some campaign, and they can't have the anti-Trump campaign because Trump is yet because Trump is sort of in the background. And they can't have the pro-Biden campaign because the Biden administration's a flop. They have to, like, go after somebody. So they go after the 15% of the population that's unvaxxed, and they blame everything that's on them. And they then they go after the First Amendment, and they say, oh, we, ha- we, we have too much free discussion that enables this misinformation about that encourages this 15% of the unvaxxers. So they go after Joe Rogan, and that's their latest crusade. And it's insane. It's just not the 50 percent of the unvaxxers are not the people that are causing the prolongation of the pandemic. I'm not sure about that. I mean, how uh, are they causing it? I mean, it's it's Omicron. It spreads among the vax. They're only 15 percent. They can't be doing that much damage. Well, I will say there was some graphs in the Times and I didn't have that much time to look at them, but. They were graphs on the one hand of like over time, us compared to Europe. And it was both COVID death rate and vaccination rate. And it's like for the first few months, we're kind of keeping up with Europe on both. And it's like uh, our death rate isn't higher than all European countries. There's only a couple that are higher, but still we're in the mix. And our vax rate is kind of more or less in keeping. And then at more or less the same point, they keep getting people vaxxed. We stop. And at about that point, our COVID death rate starts becoming higher than any European. But the death rate isn't what's keeping the, the pandemic going. If it, if it was just the case that people who vax, they take the risk and they're dying at high rates, much higher rates, but the unva- the, 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 the unvax, but if the vax have nothing to fear, uh, we can, they can take off their mask and do whatever they want. They're protected. Uh, the, the pandemic would be over. We'd go back to normal and a bunch of vax unvaxxed people would die. Uh, that's not what's happening. We have, we're, we're putting restrictions on the vax, and it's not because of the unvaxxed. It's because of the variants. The only way the unvaxxed are to blame is that they supposedly give more time for the variants to develop. But even, even, the, even that is a slightly mixed picture because the vari- if, if, if uh, everybody was vaxxed, the variants that developed would be specifically targeted to evade the vaccination, whereas the unvaxxed are creating variants that well, some will hit, some will miss. Variants, if there were variants. I mean, I will say that as far as variants go, the bigger problem is the global vaccine right. rate 
uh, and 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 there's been good news on that front. I gather this week. I mean, uh, there's a there's a vax that uh, is developed and is kind of open source. I guess. I mean, the 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 they're, they're, they're uh, by this these Baylor people, uh, Peter Hotez and somebody else, which is apparently a promising called, I think, uh, Corvavax. Uh, there was good news, I guess. They're starting to realize that Novavax is particularly promising against uh, Omicron. And I think neither of these are mRNA vaccines. So maybe, you know, the Robert Malones of the world won't freak out about them. Uh, there's one other uh, vaccine, but, 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 the global vax rate is, in terms of variants, the bigger problem. The, 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 the variants have not emerged in the U.S. anyway. Um, but uh, so, so 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 it's so you're basically conceding it's crazy for the left to focus all this this animosity at the unvaxed. Well, well, I don't I I don't want to focus animosity on them. I don't think that's productive. In even if your goal is to get them vaxed, so no, I'm not I'm not I'm not for that. I, I don't. Ag- I mean, you seem to suggest that that uh, Neil Young is anti First Amendment. I don't agree with that. I mean, try, trying to get Joe Rogan off of Spotify is not anti First Amendment. It's not a First it's Amendment. Any free speech. Well, kind of, but you know, there's an irony about Spotify. I mean, maybe we can. I don't know. Do we have time? There, I, uh, there, we, we there's been a huge anti free speech movement on the left. They're trying to take down Substack because Substack has people on it that that give disinformation. They're trying to take down Joe Rogan. The, the Mark Elias, the big Democratic lawyer, said they should rethink Times versus Sullivan. Uh, the, you know, I, 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 it's a problem for me because my attitude toward the Democrats has always been, you know, I'm basically a Democrat if only they would stop doing these crazy things. Stop pushing, immigra- you know, greater immigration. Stop pushing the, the recreation of welfare. And instead, they've added another crazy thing, which is they're against free speech. It, they're making it hard for me, Bob. I'm going to be stuck out here in, in no man's land for a long time. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, they're not against First Amendment free speech. They're not ar- arguing that the government well, should check if, you if you had Well, if but, you had a corporatist situation there where the private private enterprise, the, the big private firms, took down whoever they want, exercising their free speech rights, but they were heavily influenced by the government, and the government says, we'll go light on you on antitrust if you take down Joe Rogan. That is a violation of the First Amendment, de facto, maybe not in name, but in, in, totally in spirit and in fact. But is that happening? I'm not sure I follow. Yes, that, that's that happening. Scenario. Biden is Wait. encouraged. Biden says taking down Joe Rogan was a good first step. He's the head of the fucking government who decides whether Wait, to— he said Biden endorsed taking Joe Rogan off of— Yes. What? What did he, he say? He said it's what a good first step. Unless what, I got what, it wrong. What is? What was the subject of taking the Taking him off of Spotify. Really? Biden said that? I think so, yes. You think so? Corporatism is We're rearing weakened. its ugly head. We're having <laughs> all these public uh, government corporation outfits. We have, we have the Fed enforcing social policy. We have this new, some crazy crime initiative, which was basically government and bureaucrats and do-gooders and experts. We're all going to get together to formulate crime policy. That's not democratic. That's corporatist. Uh, Ross Douthat wrote a column about this, and that's going to be a big issue in the coming days, is all the undemocratic entities that Democrats want to give power to because they're going to lose control of the actual democracy. Um, so they want to move, uh, move power to the 
unelected Fed. We, we should remember to talk about this in the parrot room because I'm not sure I totally understand it yet. But the, uh, you know, I, I, I will. I mean, if Joe, if Joe Biden said that, that's just stupid. Uh, but he is more than once, I think, stepped out of line in that regard. The, uh, but speaking of, of the administration suppressing free speech, we're getting a little, I mean, one sign that the new Cold War is here is that they're getting a little McCarthyite. So Jen Psaki says uh, to, and here I'm going to be, I don't want to say defending your friend Josh Hawley, but uh, I, I will be, I will defend to the death his right to to say what he said. Anyway, she, um, he says, uh, well, what she says to uh, to her about Josh Hawley, Jen Psaki, Biden's spokesperson, says, well, if you are just digesting Russian misinformation and parroting Russian talking points. You are not aligned with longstanding bipartisan American values. I mean, that is Joseph McCarthy talk. That makes me sick. And and uh, and she has shown a kind of proneness to that. And I condemn her. Mickey, I but condemn her. This is nothing new during the whole the whole alleged. I don't know what the right calls Russiagate. I don't know what the during the whole dossier problem, uh, you know. People were constantly being accused of being in league with Moscow and, and, and echoing Russian talking points. So the Saki's just coming I, out of that tradition. I, I agree, but it, but it wasn't the executive branch doing it then because the executive well, branch was Trump. It was just elites doing well, it. Well, then all those people went into the executive branch and they didn't change their spot. Now they're doing it, right. Okay. I didn't like it then. I don't like okay. it. I, I okay. don't like it even more now. It's weird that Jen Saki and Klain both worked at this this sounds like we dark, got a good conspiracy this theory dark coming money, up here. This dark money outfit, Arabella, which is funding all these uh, secret groups that supposedly exercise all this influence on democratic policy and have spent bi- incredible sums of money, billions and billions of dollars on this. Um, and that just came out or became prominent this week. And I think in part they're boasting about their ability to pressure Breyer into retiring which I don't think they really did, but um, uh, you know, it's um, it's a sort of weird, uh, thuggish, dark corner of democratic politics that these two important people uh, from Biden, from the Biden camp, seems to in the Biden camp seem to come from. See, I remember, I remember when Biden first came to Newsweek. Uh, in you were at Newsweek then. I was at Newsweek when he, when he came to Newsweek and he gave an interview to the editors, and I was one of them. Or I wasn't an editor, but I was in the room with my th- thirty Newsweek people and Biden. It wasn't Biden; it was Biden's aides. And there was you assembled something... thirty people just to hear the aides of a senator. Yeah, I mean these were like Tom Donilon, and they they all they were all there saying, "Oh, we're going to do great," and you know, we're we're going to. He's the second coming of John F. Kennedy, and his rhetorical power could uh, is going to take over America. It was a plausible case, but there was something thuggish about him. There were these big, burly guys like Tom Donilon and I think Ron Klain, and I just hated them on sight because they seemed so, we're the tough guys, we're the pros, we're going to roll over the competition. Uh, and they've, they, they've brought that to the White House. I mean, Klain, Klain's, move, this, Klain's move against Breyer is stunning. I mean, Breyer does what they want. He announced that he, he's going to retire, but he, he, he's going to retire in June. So Klain leaks that he's going to retire, so he has to retire now because that's convenient because Biden has nothing to do except lose 
and he wants to change the story. That's a thuggish move. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't think it's pro. How, how does he, I think he's sure being he an asshole? It? I mean, you sure he did it? I mean, how does he? I would have been afraid it would backfire if I. I'm not completely sure, but he seems to have. Uh, we'd have to ask Breyer, but you know, there are there there are stories. He def Clay definitely did the one thing guaranteed to make sure that the story leaked, which is he told the he told a whole bunch of people. Now, don't leak this. This is secret. But Breyer's going to retire. So immediately, of course, that leaks. Um, but uh, and Breyer there has said a couple. You know, it is. It seemed like. He said a couple of things indicating he was going to retire in the traditional time frame, which is May and June. And there have been stories that he actually attended that and he was blindsided by the claim thing. I don't know 100 percent that that's true, but they aren't really denying it. Uh, they're sort of it sort of becomes sort of, well, they're pros. They know what they're doing. Uh, well, who wants to deal with those pros, you know? Now, I gather that Clyburn is now demanding, uh, maybe demanding Sue Strong, not only that it be an African-American woman, uh, Breyer's replacement, a, a wish which has already been granted by Biden in exchange for what Clyburn did during during the primaries for him. But now he wants it to be this particular woman from. It's I don't know Carolina's if he's insisting. Version. I don't know how strongly he's insisting on it. And since she's obviously a good friend of his, he has to seem to be going to bat 100 percent for her. But uh, that may happen. Uh, that would be extraordinary if it happened. Uh, yeah. And I think she has some sort of corporate, uh, excessive corporate, like, ties or so. There's some sort of gray cloud in her background. And if she seems to be an, uh, the, the personal pick of Clyburn, uh, the press is going to go after her, I think. Well, any, any, other, any other black woman in the press will stay away from if it seems well, like time, the Times just written the piece now, it's it was in today's paper. Oh, really? This woman is the Clyburn pick, and he really wants her. It, it was like on no, the we knew that the physical paper. Well, right. Well, but what, if Biden what you if Biden says if Biden says Jim, sorry, I can't pick you. What is he going to go berserk and bring down the Biden presidency, or is he going to, you know, no. Saul can go home. Saul can go home. Well, then he's not really insisting on it. Um, uh, if, yeah, he, if, if, if Jim Clyburn went on national television and said, I'm sorry, President Biden is unable to continue to he's mentally incapable of continuing to, you know, to carry out his duties. I think Biden's in big trouble. Um, so he's not playing that card. Um, so, uh, go ahead. What, so uh, this Trump voting machine thing. Times did this piece kind of documenting Trump trying pretty hard after the election to actually get the federal government to seize voting machines. The, the, well, he uh, thought he, that he, they were, to, he, he wanted he, the, he wanted the justice department to do it. They said, no, he wanted the defense department to do it. Rudy, God bless him, I guess said that's too crazy. Even for us, how about Homeland security? So they tried Homeland Security, and I'm wondering, did Rudy really try with Homeland Security? I mean, Rudy went to Homeland Security to talk to the, I guess the number two person was kind of a Trump loyalist at Homeland Security. So had a conversation with him, reported back to Trump. No, they won't seize the machine, <laughs> machines either. I almost wonder how hard, it sounds like even Rudy knew, like, 
this is nuts. Right, and you wonder how hard Rudy tried and all the other things, too, although this, you, your instinct may be right. Was, well, the Justice just, Department was Barr himself. I think yeah. I, I, Barr himself, I think, I think talking to Trump. I'm not sure. Did Rudy really think that Pence could throw out, uh, throw out the electoral votes, or was he just sucking up to Trump? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but, um, but, but, he, but, but just don't you think it's like a little creepy when the president wants to seize voting machines? <laughs> I mean, well, you think he's going to change them, or he's, he, he thinks he's preserving the evidence, right? Oh, probably. It's what he thinks. It's just intrinsically creepy. It's just like, no, we, we, another step down the down the path to ruin. No, you don't get to seize the fucking voting machine. I, I, it hasn't impacted me as that being that much. It's a, it's a, it seems to me like it's another crazy idea. But having throwing out the electors is the craziest. No, idea. it was in response to this memo from a guy who said that if he had the machines, he could show that they had been tampered with by a foreign power. I think it was China in this case that that it was like in the software or something, I think, supposedly. I don't know. I don't know. But well, that would be again, interesting. It's a, it, it seems less creepy than other things Trump did, but it's no less crazy. It, it's another sign that Trump just there are no bounds for Trump. And what worries me about another Trump presidency is that, as other people noted, he now understands the game better and he will do a better job of in, uh, of installing true blind Trump loyalists in more important places. So you never know how it would go next time. Uh, I don't think he's ever defied a court order. I think he recognizes some bounds. Well, no, but but if this but if he's got a secretary of defense who says, yeah, I'm sending out the troops now. Well, then they get the voting machines. Supreme Court's. Got, I, I mean, you know, I think I think that's right. I think that's right. The the reason he's the reason he's uh, acknowledged that line is because he doesn't have the ability to cross it. But if he had yeah, the troops, he might cross it. I but have again, no faith remember, in Trump. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say that Trump recognizes boundaries anymore. Okay, good. I agree with that. Then I then I have. I'll accept victory. Um, so it's fifty-seven minutes. We're about unless it's, it's unless getting, it, unless it hurts Ivanka. Uh. How is Ivanka? He respects the Kushners because they have more money than he does, and they have Ivanka held hostage. So he can't maybe, tell the Kushners no. Maybe you can elaborate in the parrot room. We we're now at fifty eight minutes. Close I, to our. I, I think time. I've stated it very precisely. What's there to elaborate on? The Kushners have much more money than Trump. His financial future depends, <coughs> and certainly Ivanka's depends on the Kushners. So, um, you want you want to hear what I want to talk about in the parrot room? Sure. I want to say more about Spotify. Some interesting, I want to say fascinating things. We didn't even talk about Whoopi Goldberg. We got to at least talk about her in the parrot room, right? Oh, yeah. I, I'm almost surprised we didn't get to it here. No, I just forgot about it. Who could forget? Things move fast these days, Bob. There was a lot. It was a big news week. It was a big news week. And I think we can find more things to say about Jeff Zucker, do you think? Or not? Uh, uh, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure he's worth it. Um. Oh, he's worth it. I. Uh, okay, well, you can say something if you have something to say. Oh, but Whoopi is definitely worth it because... Well, I'm going to... Because I'm going to cancel myself because... Uh, it seems to me the issue of whether you're on team, you're on team Whoopi. 
I'm, well, I don't think she should have been punished. Here, anyway, we can talk about it. Yeah. It's going to get me into all sorts of things about, like, our Jews or race that are actually quite problematic. Well, I may say, I may gonna, say, I'm going to get canceled may, over. We may get so. jointly canceled. I, I, yeah. I have, I have questions to raise. I was hoping that you would be the voice of restraint, but we may, who knows? It may be a vicious circle of, uh, of stupid utterances. Oh. Um, uh, the, uh, oh, Tom Brady, Tom Brady retired. I got, I, I, I have a few words about that. And I mean, is he really the greatest of all time, Mickey? Really? Really? How do we know that? What is what is he, our empirical basis for that? He didn't move well out questions. of the pocket, Bob. He didn't move I, well I, out of the pocket. I just, I just, I just, I tuned into, for some reason, serious radio started working on my car. And so I tuned into like some sports show with, had, I guess, Howard Cosell's son analyzing the various quarterbacks. And he was so much more sophisticated and smart than anybody I've ever heard talk about football. It was, Cosell it, was smart himself. I guess. I guess that's. I guess that's. Uh, I, I guess that's. About. I guess that's all ESPN people and all sports talk radios are this sophisticated. But he had all the problems with Brady as a quarterback compared with. It was like it was more information than I can handle. Well, you're going to get even more information from me, and maybe but I'll he, say a thing or two about Howard Cosell himself, the late great. He died, right? I'm a long time I ago, Bob. Yeah, long um, ago. As I was about to say, long ago. Um, what else? Oh, oh, this issue. Peter Singer tweeted something that raises again the question of whether um, uh, the question David Frum had raised whether we should uh, hospitals should discriminate against unvaccinated people. Being Peter uh, Singer, he probably said they should. Uh, he he kind of did. You can't, if I'm reading this tweet right. Um, um, so. Uh, what else? I, I, I've watched a little more of The Expanse. We have to be careful what we say about that. I have, no I, I have much more interesting things. We have. Uh, oh, okay. Go ahead. Uh, we have. Um, I saw a very good. Uh, I saw a pretty good like 15 minute web thing on Q. And I now know much more about QAnon than I did. Uh, oh, good. Uh we have this whole issue of corporatism and, and undemocratic institutions, which I agree is a little fuzzy around the edges. Um, uh, we have Senator Lujan uh, getting a stroke and depriving the Democrats of their majority. We have what is so terrible if continuation our debate about income inequality. What's so terrible if Mark Zuckerberg gets another $200 billion? Is that, does that affect social equality? I say it has very little impact. We shouldn't really worry about it. Um, the uh, we have where are the Biden sister soldiers? He's supposed to have a, a sister soldier moment on immigration and a sister soldier moment on crime. They ain't happening. He wants he wants a reset, as it's been pointed out by Nate Silver, without doing anything different. <laughs> it's like uh, it's like EJD said. We you know we need a new form of, dem of democratic politics that. And here it is. It depends on unionism and progressive taxes. The old EJ, that's that's not new at all. Doesn't he get Doesn't he get a, a, any credit for killing uh, ISIS's number one? No, they all kill ISIS's number one. Uh, they all, it's true. They all kill either Al Qaeda's or ISIS's. It's become a presidential ritual. Last three have killed either Al Qaeda's yeah. or ISIS's yeah. number one. Didn't there's, help any of them. 
There's the Biden crime plan, uh, pathetic as it is. There's the Democratic Electoral Count Act plan. What oh. could be more exciting than that? I'm telling you, I, uh, the, 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 they're going to have to. They're going to have to rent a whole new server at Patreon. I have a because this is sexy shit. I have a what was that again? I'm t- I'm writing it down. What did you say? Biden's what? <laughs> crime plan. I, Electoral oh. Count Act plan. The Democrats. Electoral I, Count. It's not Biden's plan. It's the it's the Democrats. It's oh. a bipartisan plan, actually. Um, I have that's, uh, that's a, that's. I a have transgressive things to say about Joe Burrow. Who is that? You know who Joe Burrow is? Apparently not. Bob. We'll let the readers judge. How out of it is Bob that he doesn't know who Joe Burrow is? Oh, Joe Burrow. Yeah. Oh, Joe Burrow. <laughs> Google it quickly. Uh, you're in big trouble. I thought you said uh, Joe Burrow, but it's Joe Burrow? Oh, Joe and I go way back. Yeah, sure. How is he? I haven't. It's been a while. Yeah, people are talking about it more and more. Yeah. <laughs> J O E. I can spell that part. How do you spell Burrow? B. Like I think it's like like burrow into a hole. Yeah. Oh, you think you think it's like that? Kind of yeah. makes me wonder about your mastery uh, of the Joe Burrow oeuvre. There's uh, uh, there's John Swan's documents about the Afghan uh evacuation. There's uh. Uh, some Orrin Cass on like is you know the, there's a big push for an alternative to Wagner Act unionism, which I'm all for. Uh, I'm not writing that down. I'm making you re- so Joe Burrow is the my Cincinnati- proposal for what the Washington Redskins should be called. Oh, I want to talk about the commander's idea. So Burrow is the Bengals quarterback. You think I didn't know that? I bet you think I didn't know that. You obviously didn't know that. I checked out of the playoffs uh, after the after just hearing that the Niners lost, uh, and I didn't. I, I taped the 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 Bengals Kansas City game, but I didn't. I didn't watch it. I was kind of engrossed in the Australian Open, frankly, which was interesting. We could talk about that. Uh, I was, but we we not suitable. Sure, I'm not. They had this incredibly exciting weekend a couple of years, so I started getting interested in pro football again. Uh, All my teams lost one after the other. And there's this actual theory that there's a reason why college sports are fading and pro football, at least, is getting better. Didn't know uh, either of those was happening. Well, pro football, the, the NFL is having a huge resurgence. Maybe well, not. they had an amazing series of playoff games. Right. That's one I of mean, the reasons why. But people were realize. watching those games and noticed that they were amazing. And it's not like they... Do you realize? No, I I feel I have to impress you with my knowledge now that I embarrass myself on Joe Burrows. Do you realize that in the the final four games? So those were the games for the uh, well to see who would play for the conference championships. Okay, they were narrowing it down to four teams. So you got four games. As of the last like thirty seconds of the fourth game. It looked like every single one of those four games were going to be won by three points, and the the final decisive score was going to happen within the final minute. That had happened on all three of the other games. It looked like it had happened in the fourth game, but then whoever it was uh, came back. Um, I forget who it was. Anyway, the Rams. So there, have I um, have I redeemed myself? No, not even close. The um, uh, there's why can't uh, 
carbon cleaners that are being developed. Um, Mickey, uh, Mickey. Why can't why can't no, why can't that end the whole green crisis so we don't have to have this whole uh, climate change bullshit? Carbon um, cleaners. We yeah we uh, we uh, anyway um uh there's a case of exciting case of mail in fraud. There's uh, uh and and oh, I have things to say getting... about, I have things to say about the virus. Okay. Uh, so well, that was, that's a full that plate, was, I think. You know? Oh yeah, very exciting series of topics you reeled off there. Um, no, I, you're I, bitter. I, you're being bitter. I, I the Joe Burrow because you're really humiliated hurt. by your alleged the Joe Burrow thing really hurt sports and, and, audience. You're in, and now I feel I have to drag other people down with me into the cesspool of humiliation. Exactly. Finally, and we Mickey, agree. you are the only person around. You're the only uh, one here. No, I'm not. Oh, my God, it's the parrot looking rejuvenated, refreshed, and more gratified than ever, Mickey. Her, her, her skin is glowing. I didn't even know it was a she, but I guess you know a lot more about the parrot's intimate details. Well, I just call her a she. Is that, it, have you asked the parrot? The what parrot the is. parrot's pronouns are? Non-binary. Non-binary. <laughs> I'll tell you. Whatever they're paying okay. to get into the parrot room, it's not enough, folks. That's at patreon.com slash parrot room, and we will see people there later this okay. evening. All right. See ya.